0: Thanks for listening in to the Calvary podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message.
1: I'm so thrilled to be here. You know, one of the the lies of the enemy is to say if you ever become a Christian, your world gets small. But the opposite happens when you become a Christian, your world just gets big. So we bring you greetings from your family down south, down in Peru. We we love this church, love your pastors. We are a sister church to Calvary. Uh, We feel that way. You are family. And my definition of family is just a group of people going to heaven together. So I'm thrilled to be part of your family and that we get to do this together and go to heaven together and see all that God will do. If you open your Bible with me to the book of Luke, chapter 17, read a quick portion of scripture in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. It says this, on the way to Jerusalem as he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, As he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Was no one found to return and say thank you, except this foreigner? Gratitude confirms relationships. You know, sometimes just a thank you seems to go a long way. And here we've got this story of 10 people that were leprous. To understand, in the Old Testament, if you had leprosy, people were afraid that what you had on you, they would get on them. It was contagious. And because of the leprosy, there was a law actually in the Old Testament that carried on into Jesus' day that you could no longer live like normal, normal, people do in society. You now had to live outside the city walls. And if you should ever walk through the streets, which they frequently had to do to, to beg, uh, you had to scream in a loud voice, we're unclean. Don't come near us. We're unclean because people didn't want what they had on them to be contagious and they get what they had. Now, To say this, you you see, it didn't matter what your class in society was. It didn't matter where you lived or what your position or what your job was. If you had leprosy, you lost everything, even your family. You could no longer live in the house with the rest of your family. You had to live outside the city. And and they were commonly just left to beg and to die. There was no hope for these men. And as Jesus was walking through this part of the country, I can only imagine these 10 men, as they, as Jesus is coming, they'd heard about him. They said, isn't this the Jesus, the one that does miracles? Is this the one that has healed? Is this the one that can heal? Can, Can we possibly have a hope of a future? If we have an encounter with this, this one Jesus and, and all 10 were walking together and as they, they got close and they finally said, there he is. There he is. Jesus have mercy on us. Have mercy. And the Bible just said Jesus lifted his voice. And he gave them instructions to do what you do when you're cleansed. You, you walk and you go toward the priest. And as, and when you get to the priest, he will declare you clean if you're clean. And the Bible says, as they obeyed, and you can imagine, I'm not clean yet. But as they walked toward the priest, they were healed. What a miracle. I mean, to, to get your life back to be able to go back into the city and to be able to, to work again and to have your position again and to hug your family again, to go back and your life has been given back to you. And then the Bible goes on to say that when there were the 10, all 10, when the 10 were healed, only one came back to say, thank you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something for somebody? And they never said, thanks. <laughs> I didn't expect an answer that quick. I mean, have you ever, uh, you know, you, you've sacrificed, you've helped somebody. And as you helped them, uh, they were, you know, maybe it cost you something, a gift you gave to somebody and they never said, thank you. I don't know about you, but I want to be the one. I don't want to be like the nine that never come back and say thanks because gratitude confirms relationship. And this one was one, just one out of 10 that came back to say, thank you. Thank you. Now, as I get into this, I want to just share a story. I, my mentor and a friend and a pastor to me is a man named John Maxwell. He's an author written many books on leadership. And during one of our mentoring phone calls one time, I had asked him a couple questions. and and it was interesting his answer. The first question I asked him was, uh, it was about setting goals, because, Uh, I just asked him how do you set goals in your life Uh, because everybody teaches you you have to set goals you've got to set short-term goals uh, five-year goals long-term goals and and here you have the guru of leadership sitting before you and I said how do you set goals in life and his answer to me kind of rocked me he said I don't I don't believe in it and I thought what Here's John Maxwell. And you're saying, I don't believe in setting goals. And this is his answer to me. He says, let me explain. He said, most people, when they set a goal, and he went on before that, he said, listen, I could have never dreamed in all my wildest dreams that God would take me to where he's taken me. He said, you know, if I would have tried to set a goal for my life, I would have never dreamed that I'd be here. And what happens is most people, when they set goals, if they reach that goal, they said, I did it, I've reached it. And they relax instead of seeing how far God can take them instead of seeing, you know, because God can take us above and beyond anything that we've ever dreamed of if we're just allowing him to. And all he said to me is, he said, I only have one goal in life, and this is my only goal, and that's to be obedient to God each day. That's enough. That's hard enough. And if you're obedient, let's just see where God can take this. And then he went on, and I would asked him another question, and this was because I'd just been, you know, we'd helped some people. There is some missionaries in the country that we'd helped. And, and I, we had actually, it cost us something. It was sacrificial. We gave to this family and, and we wanted to help them. And right after we helped them, this family kind of turned around and stung us. And it hurt. It, it just kind of like, oh wow after i just did all this to help you and and now you turn around and did this to us and stung us and it kind of hurt and and bleeding a little bit as we do i was i asked john maxwell well you know just let me ask you a question about leadership when when you help somebody and not only are they not thankful but they actually turn around and hurt you what do you do and and his answer took me again kind of by surprise he just said this he said robert people will be blessed because you're there just let them be and then he went on to something else and i wanted to go back to that but he was on to something else and and i kind of wanted to go cuz i'm kind of bleeding and this guy i was hurt and this you know but he says no people will be blessed because you're there just let them be and then he went on to something else that he wanted to teach me but it took me a while because i kept meditating on that people will be blessed because you're there just let them be and i, I was trying to meditate on what the meaning of that was. And I'll get to it in just a minute. But you know, the Bible talks about this. One guy that came back, one that was healed. Those ungrateful nine. Do you ever feel that way? Man, those ungrateful nine, I'm not going to help you anymore. You know, I, I, after all I've done for you, I've healed you. I've given your life back, your future back. And those ungrateful nine, have you ever helped somebody? And they didn't say, thanks. I really appreciate the one. Uh, How many want to be the one? Gratitude confirms relationship. There's something about the one. And, And there's, you know, what I want to talk about. The one is like, I don't know. There's just something extraordinary about him. Now, for most of my life, I felt pretty ordinary. When I was going through college and going through school, I just kind of felt average. I, I didn't feel like a, you know anything kind of stuck out with me. It was just average, just my life was just going on. I don't know about you, anybody here just feel ordinary, you know? And the thing is, is after all these years, I've had the honor and the privilege of living the last 34 years in Peru love Peru, love the nation God has called me to, that has adopted me. And I love the work that we get to do. And it's just, it's just such a great country. How many Peruvians are there here? Amen. God bless you. Uh, anybody from Argentina here? I love Argentina. Anybody from Argentina? Okay. There's one, two, three, four, five. Argentina is beautiful. You have the best stakes in the world. But if you give that steak to a Peruvian mama, she'll cook it and make magic out of it. All those ladies can cook in Peru. Um, Anyway, back to my message. Uh, It's getting too close to lunchtime. I could tell. Um, Anyway, you know, for most of my life, I just kind of felt average. But as I look back over what God has allowed us to do, he's you know, feeling kind of ordinary, he's allowed me to do some pretty extraordinary things. And looking back over it, it's been pretty amazing so far The the things that he's allowed us to do and, and and it's just amazing the church that we get to pastor and then the, the outreaches we get to do And, and like one of the outreaches we do and we'll show some pictures of it in a minute is we get to pass away, give out free wheelchairs. And I love this ministry. In fact, just a couple days ago, and this is a, a little girl that just a couple days ago, we gave her this wheelchair up in the Andes Mountains in a city called Ayacucho. Uh, and it was, a, it was a, like, a, a, I'm trying to think in, in English. My mind is going off in Spanish because I just saw her again. But it's like, it's a blessing to be able to get up there. These people could never dream of owning a wheelchair. A wheelchair can cost four or $500 or more, and these people maybe earn 10 or 15 or $20 a month. So to them, the possibility of a wheelchair goes beyond them. So they're relegated to somebody carrying them or crawling on the ground. And to be able to give them the gift of mobility, it's a blessing. And, and that last wheelchair, this little girl that we just gave this chair... I mean, it was, it's, it's extraordinary. The mayors were there and the city officials were there. We've, we've had recognition by the government just because we, we give away wheelchairs. And this was number 61,000 wheelchairs that we've given away. it's just such a joy to get to do some of the things we get to do. And, and I look back over the life that I've had. I mean, when I was going through Bible school, I was considered one of the least likely to succeed. You know, I, I grew up in Southern California as a surfer and coming off the beach and now I'm, I'm going to church and, and they really didn't know what to do with me when I got to church. You know, they, in Bible school, they made us wear ties, I grew up on the beach. We don't wear ties. So I found this amazing invention called clip on tie and I clipped it on every t-shirt I had and went to Bible school. So you can imagine they didn't understand me. You know, it was just kind of that, oh, here he comes again. But over the years, you know, if, if you feel like you're just kind of ordinary, just spinning your wheels, how many have ever been there? You're just kind of mediocre, ordinary. You know what the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is? Do you know what the difference is? The word extra. (laughs) If you have an ordinary life and do something extra, your life will be extraordinary. If you have an ordinary marriage and do something extra, you'll have an extraordinary marriage. If you have an ordinary job and do something extra, you'll find your work is extraordinary. And if your relationship with Christ is just kind of ordinary, but you begin to walk in the second mile and do something a little extra, in the extra, you'll find that life has become extraordinary. (laughs) And one of the things I love about serving Christ is that he'll take ordinary people and do some extraordinary things with them. He can take the most ordinary life and all of a sudden life becomes meaningful. Well, this one that came back, and I I was thinking about him because the one did the extra. The one that came back, the other nine were healed Thank God they went home. They got their life back. But one came back. How many want to be the one? You know, the one that just gets the little extra, the extra. But the Bible says something more about this one. The Bible says he was a Samaritan. Now, to understand that, I got to do a little study on the word Samaritan. Excuse me, I got an itch in my nose and I know it's uncomfortable. Okay, we got that over with. I'm trying to itch my nose and look nonchalant, but everybody's looking at me, so I may as well tell you what I'm doing. (laughs) Anyway, extraordinary. See, I'm just ordinary. I itch my nose like everybody else does and try to pretend like I'm not doing it. Um, Amen. (laughs) This one was a Samaritan. Now, to understand Samaritans, if you were a Samaritan, and the Samaritans and the Jews, they had this thing. They really didn't like each other. You know, there's, they were kind of neighbors, but they didn't like each other. If you look on the map of Bible days, it was Jerusalem was here, and then Samaria... Judea and then Galilee was over here. And, and in between Galilee where Jesus grew up and Jerusalem, if you went this way, you go through Samaria. If you go this way, you go through Judea. It was a little bit longer through Judea, but nobody, I mean, went through Samaria except Jesus. One day he said, it's, I have needs to go through Samaria. And it can almost picture the disciples saying, oh, we got to see those people. Do you remember where Jesus said, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth? Remember that? When he says you'll be witnesses, we always think, you know, Jerusalem, that's Miami, and Judea, that's Florida, and Samaria, you know, United States, and the uttermost parts of the earth, that's Lima, Peru, and we kind of go that way, you know, it's, we extend out from where we live, but that's not what he was saying. What he was saying, you see, if you look on the map, it's Judea and Samaria, they were like neighbors, They were like neighbors, but the thing is, is Judea didn't associate with Samaria, and Samaria didn't associate with Judea, and if you're a Jew, we're not those people. You know, those people that live on that neighborhood, that's the neighborhood we avoid. That's the people that we don't associate with. And, and now here comes Jesus, and he says, I got to go through Samaria. And the disciples are going, oh, okay, let's go fast. No stoplights, straight through, you know. And Jesus, as he gets about noontime, he says, you know, I'm kind of hungry. And the disciples, okay, let's go buy some food. And as they're buying food, this lady shows up. Do you remember the story of the woman at the well? This Samaritan woman shows up, and, and of course, there's a rabbi sitting in the corner, and she's going, oh, one of them, and they don't talk to me. I, you know, I'm kind of the lowly class to that guy sitting over there. But all of a sudden, that guy sitting over there looks at the Samaritan woman and says, ma'am, can you give me some water to drink? And she's shocked. She goes, how is it you, being a rabbi, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for water to drink? And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you would ask for more. And she's going, he's flirting with me. (laughs) And she liked that. I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus says, go get your husband. And she goes, I don't have one. And Jesus said, you said that right. You had five, and the one you're living with now isn't him. And, and she was looking at number seven, possibly. And finally, you know, she, she looks at him. And she goes, oh, I see you're a prophet. And anyway, in the end, she gets her life set free. Set free. And then the disciples come back. And I can almost picture the disciples, you know, they're looking at Jesus. Hey, look who he's talking to. Doesn't he know what kind of woman that is? Doesn't he know? How could he associate with her that kind of a lady? And Jesus is just happy saying, I don't need to eat anymore. I, I have meat that you know not of. And, and, and there was this joy because he helped a Samaritan. Do you remember the story of the good Samaritan? The good Samaritan to a Jew. I mean, Jesus, when he taught the story of the good Samaritan, he taught that lesson to Pharisees and lawyers, people that were stuck on the law. And Jesus said, I want to tell you a story about a good Samaritan. And they were going oxymoron, no such thing as Samaritan and good. In the same words, no, there's no such thing as a good Samaritan. Yet the hero of the story wasn't the rabbi and wasn't the priest. It was the Samaritan. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. What he's saying is, you'll even witness to people that before you never associated with. You'll even minister and be friends with people before that you wouldn't even go in that neighborhood, but you'll find out that there are actually people just like us that have a need, and they will be in need. Now, the Bible says that this only one that came back was a Samaritan. He was one of those. Maybe the other nine weren't Samaritan. I don't know. But he was the only one that came back and said, thank you. He was the one that looked for the extra. The extra. How many want an extraordinary life? And then I started thinking again on this because when I mentioned that I asked John Maxwell what do you do when people hurt you and and they're unthankful people those unthankful people they did all this for him and look what they did back and and I was thinking that and his answer was you know Robert people will be blessed because you're there just let them be and then I realized what he meant you see Jesus healed 10 people Jesus is God he knew that Most of these people probably wouldn't come back. He knew that there was nine that would not come back. Only one would come back. This is God. This is Jesus. And, you know, even though he knew they wouldn't come back to say thank you, he healed them anyway. You see, people will be blessed because you're there. Just let them be means instead of focusing just on those that will come back and say thank you, just heal the nine anyway. Don't focus on the one, focus on the nine. I don't want to be a church focused on just the ones that come and say thank you. I want to be a church that's focused on the world around us. You see, Miami is blessed just because this church is here. And there may be people that will never come up and say, thank you. But it doesn't matter if they say thank you or not. Jesus knew that. If all we do is help the ones that say thank you, then we're no better than the rest in the world. But if we actually focus on the nine. Saying, you know, every now and then it's going to be cool that some come back to say thank you. But, you know, it doesn't matter. We're just here to help. We're just here to bless people. He still healed the ten he still reached out so if you want a life that's just extra ordinary and your life is just ordinary don't worry about the ones that say thank you and the ones that don't just serve amen just serve Take a moment to pray. Father, as we come together this morning, thanking you for the life you've given us. And deep, deep within my heart and the hearts of so many that are listening, we want to be the one. We don't want our life just to to pass through life and just kind of float life by, but we want our life to count. We want to be one of the extraordinary ones that's taken somebody so ordinary like us and you've made us extraordinary. God, I thank you for the life you've given us, but help us, God, to continue to stay focused on the one who has given us all, Jesus. And if along the way we can help the world just a little bit, even though they never come back to say thank you, God, it's not for the thanks we're doing it. It's for the son who already gave us everything. Thank you for such a great life as this. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together for Pastor Robert? Come on, can we put our hands together? Can we thank him one more time? Amazing, amazing, amazing. I love that. I pray that we would always be the people and the church that doesn't just go after the one, but we go after every single one. And I believe that Miami is blessed because Calvary is in this city. Amen. I'm going to ask you for one more thing. We got our auditorium packed. The overflow is packed. But if you can, can you take a seat for just one more minute? Just one more minute. We're about to be out of here but all over the overflow thank you for being with us today and thank you for uh, being in the overflow and I believe that the same Holy Spirit that's here is in the overflow and uh, I believe that the word that we just received in here and what God is telling us God is telling you in the overflow as well and I'm gonna ask all of you if you can close your eyes and bow your head in the over overflow and in the auditorium I just want to take one more minute if the church can pray eyes closed head bowed, for privacy and concentration but maybe there's some people in here today that are saying, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. In fact, I feel far and distant from God. I feel like God, he, he must not want anything to do with me. Maybe you're sitting here in the overflow or you're sitting in the auditorium and you're thinking, Alex, I'm, I'm, I'm distant from God. God must be upset at me. I've done some wrong things in my life and I ended up here today because somebody invited me and maybe I just decided to come, but can I tell you today that you just didn't decide to come. It's not because somebody invited you. I really believe that it's God himself who brought you. See, the beautiful thing about our God is God didn't go after the one. God went after the entire world. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believed in him will not die but have everlasting life. Maybe today you're saying, Alex, but how could he want something to do with me? I've done wrong. I've made mistakes. I'm carrying around shame and guilt. I've done some things that some people in this room have no idea about. I want to tell you that the Bible says that all of us are sinners. I've sinned, you've sinned. We've all offended God in one way or another. The Bible says we all fall short of God's standard. The Bible says that sin separates us from God, but God loved us so much that he sent this one and only son to grab all of your sin, my sin, all of our flaws, all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our sin. The Bible says that Jesus put it on his shoulders. He went up on a cross and he paid the price for our sin. The Bible says that sin has a heavy price called death. It says for the wages of sin are death. All of us in here we've sinned in one way or another and we had a penalty to pay and Jesus says I don't want you to pay it put that on me. He went up on a cross and he paid for all of our sins. The Bible says that he died there on that cross then he went into a grave and for three days he was in this grave and the enemy thought that it had won. Death and sin thought that it had won and the savior of the world was defeated but after three days jesus he resurrected from the dead the tomb is empty jesus is alive and he's the answer he's the hope of humanity when every eye closed whenever we have bowed all across this auditorium all across the overflow I'm gonna ask the church to pray in a moment I'm gonna to count to three and those of you who want a relationship with God those of you who want forgiveness if you're saying Alex today I want a life brand new I want God to forgive me for all of my sins I want to start a brand new life a clean slate today you can begin a relationship with the God who created you at the count of three I want you to raise your hand right where you're at just for a second I'm not gonna embarrass you I'm just gonna acknowledge you see you and then you can put it right back down if you're in the overflow we got team back there they're just gonna see you and then you can put it right back down all you're saying is Alex I need a relationship with God. He's going to forgive you of whatever it is. You've been looking for life. You feel lost. Maybe you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Today you can find direction. You can find hope. You can find forgiveness. You can find life that is only found in Jesus. If that's you at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Just for a few seconds. Raise it up and say, today I want forgiveness. Today I want life. One, two, three. All over this auditorium. All over the overflow. Raise it up as high as you can. Hands being raised up all over to the left. All over the middle. All over to the right in the overflow. You raise it up as well. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I see you to my left. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. Anybody else in the overflow? You raise your hands. Hands being raised up all over this place. I believe that life is happening here today. God is good. Amen father i thank you for all of these hands raised i thank you for all these people that made a decision to start a relationship with you to put their faith and their trust in you today god we thank you that there is forgiveness of sins we thank you that there is a brand new life in you jesus all of you who raise your hand i'm gonna say a simple prayer i want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart with everything that you've got All we're doing is putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. In fact, I'm going to ask the whole church to repeat this with me out loud. All of you who raise your hands, say this to God. I believe that he's here. I believe that your life is becoming brand new right now. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you jesus i believe you're the son of god that you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected jesus come into my life be my lord and be my savior from today on i am forgiven come on i am saved i am healed and i'll follow you all the days of my life in jesus name amen and amen Man, Come on, church. Can we put our hands together? Come on. Thank you so much. Come on. Can we give them a bigger hand? Come on. All these people to raise their hand. Come on. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.